Praise the Lord. Good morning. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome that God's filled their heart with love? And they want to pour it out to their, uh, their church this morning. Hallelujah. If you would this morning, let's in that same spirit, uh, let's just greet each other. Um, and just make everybody feel at home this morning for Christmas. And just give everybody a hug and tell them Merry Christmas. Hallelujah. Take a few minutes. All right. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. You know, you can... Uh, you can go a lot of places uh, on Christmas Eve... And celebrate Christ and the love that He brought to us. I never feel the love of Christ. Hallelujah. How many think it's awesome to have the house full of love this morning and family and, you know, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Turn to Luke chapter 2 this morning. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 2, very familiar story here of Christmas, follow me as I read this morning. It says, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to all the world that they should be registered. So who did the decree go out to? The entire Roman world at that time. This census first took place with Quirinius when Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee. This is the father of Jesus. Out of the city of Nazareth, which is way to the north of Israel, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So where did he have to go to? The city of David, which is called Bethlehem, which is to the south of Israel. So they had to travel about 90 miles to go to be registered. It says, because he was of the house in the lineage of David. That's really important. I want you to remember that. So he had to go to Bethlehem. And who else was going to Bethlehem to be registered? The entire royal line of David, their family, went to Bethlehem that um, day that Jesus was born. The entire family was gathered in Bethlehem from the line of David. Hallelujah. Uh, Joseph went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Listen to this. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Remember that. Now there were in the same country, in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone about them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, 
which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those that heard it marveled at those things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen and that was told to them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you preach this message through me, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray that it would come from your heart to their hearts, Lord God, that we would um, hear your message this Christmas Eve, Lord God, and we would be stirred, Lord, uh, in our hearts uh, for what happened, Lord, on this night. And I just pray that you bless each person and let this message be a blessing, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I just want to take a few moments this morning. I know it's Christmas Eve, and I just want to thank everybody for coming to the house of the Lord and spending your time uh, to worship God this morning. How many think that's awesome? On Christmas Eve, we're in the house of the Lord. and uh, um, But the title of my message this morning is making room for Christ, making room for Christ. And so something that you really notice um, as you begin to look at this story is, um, how many noticed that this whole town was kind of caught unaware? They were kind of caught off guard a little bit. They really weren't expecting um, Jesus Christ to be born in this city on that night. Because everywhere that he went, how many think it's strange that a woman is uh, full in her pregnancy, you know, fully pregnant and ready to deliver, and there's nowhere for her to even stay? You know, nobody even recognizes that she, um, that, that they don't even have room uh, for this child to stay there. And it's kind of amazing that they were caught unaware. And it's even more amazing because who was in that city? It was the relatives of King David. It was the royal lineage of people that were came from all over the world back to their hometown. And they were the ones that were in the city that night. And they were still caught unaware. You know, they still weren't aware of what was happening in their midst. And uh, how many know that uh, we can go through our daily lives... And just like this city in Bethlehem, we cannot even recognize Christ. And you say, well, man, I didn't do that. I guess I need to get down here a little bit. I thought I might stay up there because the lighting was so much better up there. I just can't do that. I'm sorry. How many know sometimes the world around us just doesn't recognize Christ? And they think to themselves, 
he was a good teacher. Or, you know, he was a good person in history. Or I belong to that faith called Christianity. Or I go to church and that's a pretty good thing. Most people don't. And I'm not criticizing anybody this morning. I'm just saying sometimes we don't recognize uh, what was happening in that city. In fact, here's why they probably should have recognized who he was. This city, Bethlehem, if you go to Israel, is so close to Jerusalem. In fact, when I visited uh, uh, Jerusalem, one of the pastors didn't know where Bethlehem was at. He said, how far is Bethlehem from there? And I pointed us, it's right over there. How many know that uh, USI is five miles from here? Okay, Jerusalem and Bethlehem are that close to each other. It's about a six-mile trip to Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And so Isaiah, 700 years before that, just imagine that Isaiah lived in our area and he was just as close as USI. Okay? And Isaiah said, I'm going to give this nation a sign. In fact, Ahaz was a terrible king and they were about to be destroyed as a nation. Half of the nation was about to be destroyed by a foreign army. And God said, hey, I'm going to give you a promise, this nation. There's going to come a day that there is going to be a virgin and she's going to give birth to a child and that child's name is going to be, uh, he's going to be called Emmanuel. Which means um, that's what he's going to be known as. You say, well, it's not a proper name. It's, in fact, you read the context. It means he's going to be known as the Emmanuel. And if you know what Emmanuel means, in fact, we were seeing it this morning, and you kind of think to yourself, it's pretty easy to say, well, man, what does that mean? I don't even understand that. But they knew that a prophet had prophesied right where they live that in Bethlehem, there was going to be a child in the name of Emmanuel. Please get this this morning. It means God is with us. You didn't hear me this morning. This child that was one day going to be born in that town, that little town of Bethlehem, was literally God being born as a human being. And so sometimes we can go through Christmas and we can totally miss who Christ is. You say, well, man, there was a baby born. Church, it wasn't uh, just a baby that was born. God, for the one time in history, in fact, uh, there's an old saying that says, when man goes to look for God, man, or we find a man. Let me say that again. When man goes to look for God, you find a man. You say, well, man, I want to know God. There's only one way to know God according to the Bible. This Bible right here, there's only one way to know God, and it's through that man who was God on earth. And shortly after he was born on this earth, in fact, there were signs we talked about last week. The heavens were declaring his glory. The heavens were saying, he's born today. And people were coming all over and there were prophecies all around. In fact, do you know the Bible is full of hundreds of prophecies that started at the Garden of Eden with the first man. Adam was in the garden, Adam sinned, and the first prophecy came that, hey, I'm going to come to earth and I'm going to crush sin. 
And it came in the garden. So from the very beginning, and, and it continued on through the whole Testament, hundreds of prophecies that God was going to come and make a bridge for us from, from earth so we could go to heaven. And there's only one man, the Bible says, by which men can be saved. And that name is Jesus Christ. And miracles were all around his birth. They should have known, they should have recognized that God was born that night. All of the lineage of David who the promises went through David and his throne. They should have known that he was born that night. They should have known that in that city, God had came to earth. And with only a few years, uh, 29 years old, right before he turned 30, he starts his ministry. Let me just give you a little sample of some of the stuff that he did, church. Jesus starts with the miracle at the wedding at Cana. Then he heals an official's son in Galilee. He drives out evil spirits in the same city. He begins to heal a woman who's sick and dying. He begins to heal everybody in that particular city, all the same town. Everybody who's sick comes to him. He casts out demons, heals the sick. Um, the, the fishermen are on the boat and then he throws the net over and they have a miraculous catch that shocks them so bad they can't believe it. He goes on and he heals a paralytic that's let down through a roof. He heals a paralyzed servant. He heals a man with a withered hand. He healed a widow's boy uh, who had died. He uh, calms a storm that they're in the middle of. He casts out legions of demons into pigs. Uh, he heals a woman in a crowd with an issue of blood for a lifetime that doctors could not even help anymore. He heals two blind men. He heals Jairus' daughter who was dead. He heals an invalid. He feeds 5,000 people plus the women and children which makes about 10,000 people with a few loaves and bread. Uh, he heals a person who's been mute from birth. Um, he feeds another 4,000. He walks on water. He heals anybody... He heals many who just touch his garment. Church, I could go on and on and on and on. This was not a normal man. This was God walking around on earth. And that night he was born and they didn't even recognize it. He walked on the earth. He walked among his own people and they rejected him. Can I tell you, it wasn't a man that was born on this day. You say, what's the big deal? The big deal is God came to save us. It's the only way to heaven. He came and they didn't recognize it. They didn't recognize he was God. They thought he was just a man. In church, can I tell you, he was a man, but it was God who was born as a baby on that day, and it was prophesied from the beginning of creation that only one person would come to save us, and there's no other way to heaven but by Him. Church, if we don't have Him, there's no way to heaven. If you don't have Him this morning, there's no way to heaven without Christ. So this morning, it's just a real simple sermon I have here. Number one, we got to recognize who He is. And you say, well, man, I'll do it for the December the 24th and maybe even the 25th. No, church, we got to recognize it for our lifetime. This is every day of our life. We've got to know who Jesus is because he's the one that changes everything. Man, just look what he did with history. History is divided in A.D. and B.C. Why do you think that is? Hallelujah. Why do you think most of the world celebrates this day? Not for somebody that didn't exist. They celebrate it because Jesus 
was God on earth, and we got to know who he is this morning. The second thing, it says that there was no room for him in the end. When you look at that word room, everywhere else in the New Testament where that Greek word is, it says place. There's no place for him. And, and, and there's debate whether it was an inn or a house, and most likely it was a house, but nowhere in the entire city was there a place for him. In fact, the Bible says that they traveled around looking for a place to lay God who came on earth, and they couldn't find anywhere to lay him. There was no place for him. Literally no place to put the most important baby that's ever been born on this earth. And so they had to leave and find somewhere to place him. And uh, how many have ever been in a barn? How many have ever been to um, Mesker Park Zoo and you walk into that building that has the elephants? and the? I don't know what kind of air freshener they use there, but it's not working. How many know the smell immediately when you walk in? Jesus was born in a barn. The most important birth ever, and God chose that place. God chose a place that was messy, uh, a place that smelled like feces, a, a place where you could hear the animals making noises, And nobody noticed who he was, and they should have. How did they not notice who he was? That's a question I ask myself. There were some that did know. In fact, if you continue to read in Luke chapter 2, the next couple of verses, you see that after eight days... Jesus was taken to Jerusalem, which I, like I said, was as close as USI is. So they go from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. They take him to the temple. They dedicate him to the Lord. That's in chapter two of Luke. And it says, when they walk in, an older gentleman was there and he had been waiting his whole life because God had revealed to him that the Messiah was going to be born. And he said, you, sir, will not die. Until you see his face. How I many you know he'd seen him? He knew he was there. They walked in, and his mother walks into the temple. There he is, smiling real big. How I many have ever seen somebody smiling? You're like, you're smiling way too much. And this old man's close to death, and he sees that baby, and he says, That's the one. And he holds the baby, and he says, God said, I wouldn't die until I seen his, his Messiah. They said, now I can die. Oh, that wasn't it. There was a woman that was right there also waiting after him. Her name was Anna the prophetess, and she began to prophesy. And she began to hold the child, and she knew who he was. I mean, no, there were a lot of people that knew who he was, knew where he was going to be born. In fact, if you knew his word, you would have known who he was. You would have known where he was born. You would have known what he's there for, and you would know what he was going to do in his life. And I tell you something this morning. If we don't know his word, we won't know who he is. And this nation knows YouTube. 
This nation has an internet theology. That's why I have to correct so many times. In fact, I get people that talk to me about the Bible all the time and they come in and they, they tell me things that I know I've just seen on a YouTube video. And I'm just being serious. I'm not even joking. And then I start to say, hey, can I quiz you on the Bible? And I start to ask them the most basic questions about the Bible and they just don't know it. And so the reason they don't know who Jesus is and how important this day is, is because they don't know his word. And by not knowing the word, they don't know the spirit. How many know a lot of people got it by revelation and by the spirit of God? They knew that he was in the city. And church, can I tell you something this morning? You're going to miss out on the only hope that we have to get to heaven if we don't know his word. And you say, I don't know it and I don't know how to understand it and And can I tell you that the Lord has put teachers here that love you and want to teach you the word and want to teach you about Christ and want to help you understand it. You know, everybody can understand this book here. But in order to know Christ, in order to have Christ in our life, we have to know the Bible. And you say, well, man, can I learn it some other way? No, we have to be taught this Bible and we have to know or we're going to lose out for all eternity We will not have heaven as our home if we don't know who Christ is. I can't stress that enough this morning. And then the Bible says that he was ready to be born, but they couldn't find a place for him. And you know, they couldn't find a place for him, not because they had empty buildings and they just didn't want him there, They may not have wanted him there. They might have been ashamed to have him there because she was pregnant. There might have been lots of reasons, but one of the main reasons were they were full. There was no room. You say, well, man, what's that have to do with me? The Bible says that Christ has to be living in us. To be born again means Christ lives in us through the Holy Spirit. Do you know that Christ wants to live through you? wants to live through your life and you say, well, man, I want to live my own life. I want to do my own thing. And Jesus said, if you keep your own life, you'll lose it. But if you pick up my, my life, if you give up your life and take my life for my sake, you'll find it. And how many know that God wants to live through your life? God wants to teach you how to love. God wants to teach you how to forgive. God wants you to wake up in the morning and say, God, live through me. This life is not my own. You purchased my life. And he wants to live through each and every one of us through your life. But here's the problem. Just like Bethlehem, we got no vacancies. We got no vacancies, church. The Bible says whatever your heart is full of, that's where your treasure is. And how many know your God is what you think of all the time? And the Bible says that we can get so full of ourselves. We can get so full of things, we can get so full of the things of this world that the Bible says, Jesus told a parable that says, the cares of this world can cause that seed of God that's growing inside of you to be dead. It'll choke it out, the Bible says, and it won't be able to live. In church, we can get so full of everything, you say, well, man, Chad, I'm doing all this Christmas shopping. There's nothing wrong with that. 
I'm doing all this stuff during the holidays. And then after the holidays are done, it didn't get any easier. I'm still working a lot. I'm still doing this. I'm still doing that. I don't really have time for God. And how many know, just like the night he was born, sometimes we just don't have room for God. In church, it's a shame. God wants to live in that heart. And you say, well, man, where does God live at? He didn't come to a palace. He could have. God could have arranged that he had the most royal welcome. He could have had kings open their gates and make a most royal welcome for the birth of God, but he didn't. He went to a stinking barn. And you say, well, man, God should be honored to live in my heart. Can I tell you something? Our heart is wicked. Absolutely wicked. If anybody here were truly honest about the things and the thoughts that you think, it'd be no place for him. But God said, I'm going to demonstrate my love toward you. That I'm going to be born in a stable that stinks and full of animals. And Can you think of a worse place to be born? <laughs> I mean, really. Well, were you born in a barn? Actually, he was. On a dirt floor in a barn because nobody had a place for him. And can I tell you today, he's still being born in that same humble place. And you say, well, what place is that? That's the person that understands that I'm not good enough to go to heaven. The Bible says there's not one person righteous enough to go to heaven. And in just case you didn't get it, it says, no, not one. And if I'm ever going to find Christ in my heart, I've got to humble myself. And there's one word that every single preacher in the Bible would say. You read the New Testament, read each one of them. Read Paul, read Peter, read Jesus. And it's repent. So He can come into your heart. And you say, well, Chad, I want to keep my sins. I like my sins. If He came to die for your sins and you want to keep them, how can He live in your heart? And Jesus wants to be born in a humble, dirty place. How many of you know that? You say, well, I gotta clean it up first. I gotta sweep this barn out. I gotta get rid of the, you're not gonna get rid of that odor in a barn. Trust me. You're not gonna get rid of the dust. You're not gonna get rid of the dirt. You're not gonna get rid of the stink. You say, well, let me clean myself up so I can have God in my life. Man, I'm telling you, Jesus has been born in some really dirty hearts. And they just said, God, forgive me. And he comes into your heart and he makes it his home. How many know the Bible said, here I am. He says, look, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. Please answer. Please let me in. Hey, I'm going to prepare a place in my father's house. There are many mansions. There are many rooms. There was no place for him. But he says, I've got a place for you. I came from heaven to earth. I emptied myself of everything that I had to come find you. It's kind of like a child. Can you imagine child going in the worst ghetto in this world? And it's your child and you love them and you care about them. And they left and they were rebellious and they went some hell hole somewhere in this world. And they're throwing their life away and they're messed up on drugs. And, and their life is destroyed and it's thrown away. And nobody respects them. Nobody loves them. 
Nobody wants to help him. Can you imagine emptying yourself of everything that you have and you say, I love that kid. That's my son. That's my daughter. And that's what he did. He emptied himself of everything to go into this rotten, terrible world to be beaten, to be abused, to be beaten more than any man has ever been beaten because he wants you to live with him. And he emptied himself of his glory because he wanted to have a place for you. In church, we can't keep saying that I don't have a place for God. In my life. And so God is looking this morning. And some of you will say, man, i got a place for God. He's got the highest place. That's what he deserves. He's the king of heaven. He's the God of heaven. And he's got the biggest place in my life. Above everything else. Above myself. But then there's some that will go away and say, I don't have any place for him. And they'll shut the doors. They'll say, not welcome here. Not welcome here. That's the story he's trying to tell. I came and they shut the door in my face. He said, I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep knocking. But can I tell you something? In all love, one day he's going to not be knocking anymore. That could be today. You know, you could actually go out there and this could be your last day and he'll never knock again. He'll knock for a lifetime. He'll say, open up, come to me. But there's going to come a time, church, where he won't be there and the hope won't be there anymore. And he's he's extending himself today and he's saying, today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. And the last thing I see, number one, we got to know who Christ is. He's not just a man. Number two, we got to make room for him in our hearts, not just for a holiday, but for him to live in our hearts and through us. And then the third thing is, did you notice that everybody came from I mean, the wise men we talked about last week came from 900 miles away to worship Him. They laid down gold, frankincense, and myrrh, priceless gifts at His feet, and they bowed down and they worshiped Him. Wow. The shepherds came to worship Him. Anna came to worship Him. Simeon came to worship Him. How many know there were those that recognized him and came to worship him in this morning as the worship team comes? Brian, come on up here. God's asking us and telling us the proper response. How many can see that? The proper response to Christ is to bow at his feet and just worship him. And he says this, listen to this. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Anybody ever uh, have somebody that it's hard to shop for. Have I ever had that experience? It's like, man, I don't know what to get them. You know what I like, black shirts, khaki pants. It's not that hard. You know that. <laughs> but how many know it's hard sometimes to select something and you say to yourself, man, I hope they like it. 
hope they like what I got for them. I hope they like the gift. And, and you know, I'm sure there's a lot of symbolism with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they're priceless gifts. But how many know the gift that God really wants? It's you. You say, man, what can I give back to Him? What's the best gift that I can give Him? And make no mistake about it. He loves you with an everlasting love. He'd been saying this message all morning. And I get to preach it and look like I organized the whole thing, but I didn't. How many know He wants you this morning? You say, well, how can I worship Him? It's really easy. The Bible says just confess your sins. And He is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your unrighteousness. And He will accept you. He says, come, let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. And how many know He loves you this morning? In fact, there was one scripture I don't want to miss this morning. Listen to this. Psalm 10.4 In his pride, the wicked man... I stop right there. I don't want to know what's next. I don't want to know what's next because in his pride, I don't want to be proud. How many want to be proud? I don't want to be proud. I don't want to be called a wicked man. But this is the Bible, and so i got to read the rest of it. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek God. And in all of his thoughts, there is no room for God. And that's hard. Chad, are you calling me wicked this morning? If God is not in your thoughts, and there's no room for God, you're wicked this morning. You say, well, how dare you call me that? I was called that and it was true. I was wicked. I had no room for God. God was not in my thoughts. Everything else was. I was selfish. And so were you. And if we're ever going to find God, the wicked man has to give up the pride. Say, man, I just bow myself down to God. And so here's what I'm going to do this morning. And I'm going to say a prayer of faith. And that faith prayer only works if you Truly believe it in your heart and follow it up with action. But we're going to pray the sinner's prayer. And if you mean that prayer this morning, and you're confessing your sins to God and asking for His forgiveness, you need to take the next step. The Bible says the next step is, when you believe, get baptized. And so this morning I'm going to say that prayer, and if you meant that prayer, find a place at your seat, Close your eyes or come to the altar or whatever you need to do and just bow down at his feet and give up the pride. Say, God, I'll make room for you in my life. So let's do that together. Let's close our eyes and then we're just going to worship for one song. That's How many think that's reasonable for what God's done for us? Hallelujah. Let's just pray together and pray out loud. Heavenly Father, today I give up my pride. And I confess my sins before you. I ask that you forgive me of my unrighteousness and my wickedness. And I give my life to you. Come live in my heart. 
for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now here, you can say the prayer and not mean it. It means nothing. But it's that simple that if you've said that prayer and meant it and you're willing to follow it up and be baptized, you've just given Jesus the greatest gift that you can give Him. You. And it says all of heaven is celebrating right now. It says all of the angels in heaven are celebrating. So I I ask you this morning, bow your knee at your seat. Bow your knee at the altar. Close your eyes at your seat. I don't care what you have to do. Just do something that shows that you've given that pride up. And I'm truly doing this. And then find me privately and say, Chad, I did it finally. And I want to live this life. Please help me. And I will direct you. It doesn't even have to be here. I'll direct you and find people, whether it's this church or another church, that will help you live that out. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now let's find a place. Stand to your feet or wherever God leads you. Just go. But give up the pride. And let's just serve Him. Hallelujah. Manifestation that he's in our heart is worship. And you say, well, man, I don't understand the whole hand thing. Let me know that the Bible says I would that all men lift holy hands to God. And all that is is me saying, Lord, I surrender. Man, I give up all my pride. That is one of the hardest things I ever did in my life. How many were there? One of the hardest things I ever did because I was not that guy that raised my hands. And it takes a while. It takes a process. And I said to myself, man, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. How many had ever been there? I don't know if I can do it. Oh, it's a silly thing. I don't have to do it. I don't have to do it. But God kept working on me. God kept working on me. And everybody was looking at me. It felt like I many had been there in church. Everybody's looking at me. They know I don't do this. And I was like, here it goes, God. I'm just going to do it. Can I tell you something? Something changed. Man, that pride just kind of fell off of me. And and I'm going to pray for some of you. I know you say, well, I don't have to. And you don't have to. There's no reason you have to. But I'm going to keep praying because there's something that happens when you do it. And I remember I had a bunch of teenagers one time and I I knew a bunch of them were struggling. I could see it. And so I asked them, I said, hey, what would happen if, and we had a room that had no windows in it in our youth room. I said, what would happen if I just turned all the lights out? Nobody was watching and you just worship God like you really want to. What would it feel like? And a lot of them, that was the first time they ever raised their hands in worship. In the dark with nobody watching. And can I tell you something? Go home and do it. (laughs) Until you get the courage to do it here. But I'm telling you, that worship is what we ended in today. And it feels so good when you just finally, man, I'm just going to give up. (laughs) I give up. What do you do? First thing the officer says is, hey, give up. What do you say? 
So I just want to encourage y'all. I love y'all. We're going to close in a word of prayer. And I just pray God's blessing on everybody as we go through this holiday. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word and your sacrifice and your life that you came to live for us, Lord. Lord, we make room for you today, Lord, and we thank you for all that you're doing and every miracle that's in this room, Lord God. So many miracles. I pray that you bless them and you be with them as they celebrate this holiday, Lord, that we love so much. And uh, just be with them, Lord. Every word that they say, everything that they do, be present with them, Lord, in, in their celebration, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, don't forget, there are bags at the door, so if you guys are going back there, um, and just thank them. I mean, really an awesome Christmas bag they're going to give you there. It's pretty awesome. So, Merry Christmas.